listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. You can enjoy more messages like this and more with the free Courage Matters app, available in your app store. To invite Michael to speak to your group, visit CourageMatters.com and click on the Your Story tab. Hold on to your seat and open your heart as Mike teaches us from God's Word. 17 years ago, I was pastoring my first church just outside of Portland, Oregon, after resisting God for a number of years. You know anybody who's resisted God, where God had spoken to me and said, I want you to do this, and I made all kinds of justifications to the Lord. You know, Lord, I can serve you much more effectively by doing fill in the blank. And I had done that to the point of which I had rationalized and made excuses before God until God very clearly spoke to me and said, no, you're going to pastor. And God, who always laughs last, has the last word, called me to pastor, be the fifth pastor in eight years of this church. I was the fifth pastor in eight years. You want to talk about a difficult assignment. It was difficult. It was hard. God had called me to do something hard, and I believe that God has called you to do something hard. He's called me to do something hard. He's called us to do something hard. God's work is not always the easy work. Oftentimes it's the hard work. Oftentimes it's the hardest work, but it is nonetheless God's work. And God's people who are part of the army of heaven here on earth, a member of That army of hosts, we're called to do God's work. And sometimes that work is hard. On one day out there in the Portland, Oregon area, I was in a shopping mall. And I came out after getting whatever it was that I was getting. I don't remember what I bought there or what I went there for 17 years ago. But I remember the rest of that day as if it were yesterday. Because as I got into my car and began to make my way out of the parking lot... I noticed an unusually long and strange line of cars exiting that parking lot. A long and unusually strange line of cars exiting that parking lot. Shouldn't have been a long line of cars. There were multiple exits, but we all seemed to be going out this one exit and I was at first at the end of the line and then in the middle of the line that grew longer and longer, and as I got closer and closer to the exit, I noticed that all of the cars, what made this line strange is that every single one of the cars was doing the same thing. As they got closer and closer to the exit, they all did this strange loop, this strange hook, this Swerve. A car would swerve to the right and then come back in line. And the car behind it would swerve to the right and then come back in line. And then swerve to the right and come back in line. And then I got closer and closer and I could see with my own eyes what was causing the swerve. What was causing all of these cars to one after the other operate in the same fashion to do the exact same thing. You see, there in the parking lot... There in the parking lot was an empty Starbucks mocha frappuccino bottle. 
that somebody in their wisdom had decided to leave there right in the parking lot. And so as a car would get closer to it, they would turn to the right and swerve around it and continue to head toward the exit. And I'm sitting there in my car, as you might have been if you were one of the masses in that long line. You might have done the same thing. I was in my car and I finally saw what was causing this strange curving of car after car. And I said to myself, why doesn't somebody get out of their car and move that bottle? And as I got closer... And closer to the empty Starbucks mocha frappuccino bottle, I heard a still small voice say, why don't you move that bottle? And so instead of driving around this Starbucks mocha frappuccino bottle, which is 17 years old, this is the original bottle and all its filth and disgustingness. I pulled up right next to it, opened my car door and picked it up. And here it is to this day. Do you think that God was really concerned about a Starbucks mocha frappuccino bottle in the middle of a parking lot? Or was it that God was saying to me as a pastor of a church with a difficult assignment, a difficult assignment. Why don't you move the bottle? Why don't you do what's difficult? Why don't you do what other people are not willing to do? You know, we're living in dark days in this nation, morally corrupt, spiritually dry, financially difficult. Even our military seems to be sucked up. By the time the next two years pass, the United States military will be at its lowest size since before we entered World War II. You know, biblically speaking, when a nation's walls are down, when its military is at its lowest point, that nation is at its most vulnerable to enemy attack. And all of that seems to be happening while on the homeland... The military amassment of vehicles and ammunition and armaments is at an all-time high. Just this past week in St. Louis, Missouri, an autopsy was done on a young black male who was apparently, the autopsy revealed, was shot in the back by police. Now, I don't know about you, but that's disturbing to have that happen again. You see, racism is not a color issue. There are white people who are racist. There are black people who are racist. There are yellow people who are racist. There are red people who are racist. Racism is a matter of the heart and the mind. But it should bother you. And it should bother me. It should bother us here in the body of Christ that we are a nation where racism continues to rage. And where are we as Christ followers? Where are we as salt and light? Jesus said if salt loses its saltiness, it's no longer good to be put on anything. It's only good to be put out in the street and to be trampled on. It's good for nothing. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. We're supposed to let our light shine in the darkness. Planned parenthood continues to 
to have abortion after abortion, not for the purpose of just ending a human life, but now, as it's become revealed, for the purpose of harvesting human organs, hearts and livers and kidneys for other human beings. Now, if an unborn child is not a human being, then you tell me how we can harvest the cells from an unborn child for use in a human being. It's convenient how we keep shifting and changing. This past week, we had in the stock market, in the Dow Jones, it's now gone down officially 10% since May. That's an official adjustment in the market. Just this past week, in two days, a thousand points, that's the ninth largest decline in the stock market in history. A high school down in Mississippi on Friday was told to not play How Great Thou Art because of a federal court injunction. Federal court injunction. And the people stood up one at a time and began to sing it a cappella anyway. That's what it means. To move the bottle. Something has happened in our nation. You know it. And I know it. Something's happened to us individually. And you know it. And I know it. It's happened in our families. It's happened in the body of Christ. All of us are looking around. Watching what's happening. Recognizing what's happening. And we shake our heads and we say. It's terrible. What's happening? How tragic what's happening. The moral decline, the spiritual decline, the financial decline. Every time we turn around, there seems to be more news, more discord. We seem to be a nation underwater. And yet all we seem to be doing is saying, would somebody please move that bottle Would somebody please get out of their car and move that bottle? How ridiculous that all of us keep driving by and seeing the same thing day after day after day. You know, some of us might be waiting for the other shoe to drop in this nation that we believe that in some sense, at some time, the other shoe is going to drop. And there's going to be a catastrophic event, a defining event in this country. Don't you understand that we've already had enough defining moments in this country? Our nation has already fundamentally changed. The earthquakes have already happened and now we are awaiting the aftershocks. The aftershocks are often what come that cause greater damage than the earthquakes themselves because they come at an unexpected time when people's guards are down. Economically, we're being crunched in this nation. Morally, we're being pummeled in this nation. Racially, we're more divided than probably at any other time since the Civil War or certainly the 60s. Racism is raging. 
What is up with a nation that uses its unborn, kills the unborn to extend life to those who have already been born and enjoyed life? Now listen, you might have had an abortion. You might have had more than one abortion. You might know somebody who's had an abortion or more than one abortion. Jesus Christ died for the forgiveness of that sin too. There is no sin that anybody has committed that is too big, too large, too significant for the blood of Jesus to not cleanse and wash. The only sin that God will not forgive, the only sin, is the sin of rejecting his provision through Jesus Christ, that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of every single one of your sins, every single one of my sins. His arms are wide open to you and to me and to everyone. There is forgiveness and salvation and cleansing through Jesus Christ. Why is it all around us, the signs of decline, the signs of the hand of God? The voice of God speaking to us loudly and clearly, we recognize them and all we do is shake our heads and say, would somebody please move that bottle? How about if you move the bottle? How about if I move the bottle? How about if together as the body of Christ We move the bottles that we see all around us. You are a member in one of the armies of the God of armies, the living and true God. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God has called you. He's called me. He's called your family. He's called us to be bottle movers. See, the danger is that What's happening right now is that we think that because there's an election year coming, that the solutions to our nation's problems are going to be found in a candidate who will come to the surface in the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. How quickly we forget and how quickly we misunderstand that if God is our problem, and he is, then only God is our solution, and he is. We cannot solve a spiritual, theological series of problems. That's what every one of these problems is. A spiritual and theological problem by political means. A Democrat is not going to solve that even if he's in the highest office in the land. A Republican is not going to solve that problem even if he's in the highest office in the land. Someone who might run to be a third party candidate is not going to solve that problem. No matter how rich he or she might be, no matter how good, humanly speaking, he or she might be. Because God has called you and he's called me. He's called your family and he's called my family. He's called this family, called the body of Christ. And if you're listening by podcast or by radio, he's called your church and your family and you individually. He has called us to move bottles. He's called us not to simply recognize there's a problem. Well, other people recognize the problem. 
You don't have to go far to talk to people at your place of work to recognize our country is broken. We've lost our way because we've lost our why. You need a simplified life. I need a simplified life. You need a simplified family. I need a simplified family. We need a simplified church. We need to have our lives characterized by the movement of the Spirit of God. And if we don't need a mighty, genuine movement of the Spirit of God today, then I don't know what we've been smoking, and I don't know what news we've been overlooking, and I don't know how much more disengaged from our culture we could be. We need a movement of God in our lives individually. Not someday. We needed it yesterday. We need somebody in the church, and that somebody is you, to say, I'm going to move that bottle. My family's going to move that bottle. And I'm going to be part of a church of bottle movers. We need to rediscover humility. Because without humility, we're not going anywhere. You need to be a humble person in your own individual life. Your family needs to be characterized by humility. My family needs to be characterized, characterized by humility. The church needs to be characterized by humility. We need to prioritize, discover, and rediscover loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Then we'll have something to replicate. God has rescued you, follower of Jesus Christ. He's rescued me. He's rescued your family. He's put us all together as a family known as the body of Christ to be bottle movers. In this day and age where the most people want to do is just swerve out of the way. Just leave it for somebody else. Why? Because we are so busy. I'll tell you what we're so busy doing. We are so busy allowing ourselves to be distracted with second best things. That we are beginning to pay an exorbitantly high price Morally and spiritually and financially. And when God speaks in a still small voice and we don't stop the car, we don't stop in our tracks to listen and adjust our lives to what God is saying, God, he will not be silenced. He'll just speak more loudly. Just speak more clearly. Speak more obviously. He has a number of tools at his disposal that he's used historically to get the attention of his people. He's already been using them. He's already been speaking to you and to me very unmistakably clearly. He's been speaking to your family and to mine. He's been speaking through our leaders even in their absence of leadership, he's been speaking. He's been speaking to us through the body of Christ. And it seems like the most we are willing to do is to stop and shake our heads and say, would somebody please move that bottle? I see it. You see it. We all see it. Move that bottle. When God is saying to you and God is saying to me, God's saying to every single one of us, how about if we all move that bottle together? How about if we all stop acting as if it's business as usual because it's business as unusual?
There are unusual things happening in this nation of ours. They're not unusual for other people in other parts of the world. Christianity, the church, believers in Jesus Christ are being persecuted again at an all-time high globally. It's newer for us, but it's not new for anybody who's truly following Jesus Christ. If in this dark day and age in which we live, where militarily we're being watered down, where economically we're being dried up, where morally we're being pummeled, If we cannot hear the voice of God trying to get our attention, what else does Almighty God have to do? What else does Almighty God have to say to get us to stop and to take ownership for the issues that we have by the things we've said and done and by the things we haven't said and done that we needed to say and do? We need to be the bottle movers. If not you, then who? If not now, then when? What else does God have to say? What else does God have to do to get our attention? All we have to do is read the Bible to understand that God is not just a master communicator. He is a master at getting the attention of his people. Why is it that he does not have our attention? Why is it that we are still divided in our attention span? Why is it that we are still going about as if it's up to somebody else? That our spiritual problems are going to have political solutions. That our spiritual problems are going to have financial solutions. No. Financial difficulties are often reflective of a deeper condition of the heart, a deeper condition of our affections, of our idolatry. And I'm not speaking of people in the world. Move that bottle. I'm speaking of you and I'm speaking of me. We've lost our understanding God has called you, God has called me, God's called your family, God's called my family, God's called this family, the church, the body of Christ. He has called us individually. He has called us collectively to be bottom movers. Nobody else is going to move the bottle the way you can move the bottle. Nobody else is going to move the bottle the way we can move those bottles together. If all we do at this time in history with all that's happening is shake our heads and say, look how bad it is. Shame on us, literally. We. Each of us individually and collectively together, we are salt and light. We make distasteful things tasty. We make dark things lighter. The deeper the darkness, the easier it is to see one candle in the midst of the darkness. And God has placed you wherever he's placed you. In a dark scenario so that you could be the light that needs to shine in the midst of that darkness. God has called you to be the bottle mover in your family. 
God's called you to be the bottle mover at your place of employment. That could be why God hasn't changed the location of where you work. God could have given you nutty neighbors who think that you're the nutty neighbor. Because those nutty neighbors need to see what they will not see. If we just enamor ourselves with events, don't mistake events for community. Simply gathering together on a Sunday morning or in the middle of the week or in a life group or in a home group doesn't mean that that's where the Spirit of God is moving. The Spirit of God will move in your life group, in your home group, in your family, in the church, in the gathering of God's people when God's people are hungry for a mighty, true movement of God. You know what I'm hungry for and what I hope that you're hungry for? No more church. No more business as usual. No more just getting together and singing songs and hearing a message from the Word of God. I hope that you're hungry for what God Almighty is hungry for, the very reason why He birthed the church. For His presence to be made manifest in the church. So that through the church, lost people could see the light. That a distasteful world, a tasteless and increasingly tasteless world, would be seasoned and flavored and transformed. No, you're the bottle mover. And so am I. You. And you, 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 and me, and your family, and my family, all of us individually, all of us collectively, we are God's bottom movers. Talk is cheap. We don't need talking heads on radio programs and television programs telling us how bad it is economically, telling us how bad it is morally, telling us how bad it is politically. Move the bottle! You and I have the Holy Spirit living inside of us as Christ followers. That Spirit of God is a bottle-moving God. He knows how to straighten out crooked things. He knows how to straighten out crooked lives. He knows how to straighten out crooked families. He even knows how to straighten out crooked churches and crooked nations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It is a big deal. If a high school down in Mississippi cannot sing How Great Thou Art under a federal court order, it is a big deal. You say, what does that mean? We're supposed to legislate morality? Let me help you understand something about what legislation is. Legislation, by definition, is laws about morality. That's what legislation is. It's just a matter of whose morality those laws will support. If you don't believe that, ask a devout Muslim who wants to adhere to Sharia law. 
You're God's bottle mover. I'm God's bottle mover. Your family is supposed to be moving bottles for the glory of God. My family is supposed to be moving bottles for the glory of God. The church, we are supposed to be an army of bottle movers. Our problems in this nation, no matter how they might be manifest, they are not just racial problems. They are not just moral problems. They are not just financial problems. They're not just economic problems. California's water problem is not just a water problem. All of these things are a God problem. These are the types of things that happen to a people. When that people has forsaken the living and the true God. In the last days men will be lovers of themselves. Second Timothy chapter 3 says... Lovers of themselves, having an appearance or a form of godliness, but denying its power. If you're walking with God, the power of God should be manifest in your individual life. The power of God should be manifest in your family. The power of God should be manifest in the church. We've got enough routine. We have enough schedules and programs we don't need another program some of the programs that we have in the church are not necessary other than we think that they're necessary and they're sacred cows we wish that the pastor would speak on this subject or he'd stop speaking about that subject we wish that the church would come together you're part of the church if you're a follower of jesus christ If you're still going to church or making your decision about church based on the kind of music that's played or the volume of the music, you don't get it. If you're upset because the service goes too long when the Spirit of God is moving, you don't get it. If you're upset because the pastor wears weird shoes or doesn't wear shoes... Or wears blue jeans when he should be wearing a suit and a tie. You don't get it. It's not about the shoes. It's not about the music. It is about the movement of the Spirit of God. It is about keeping life simple so that the main thing is the main thing. And that's what we are to do to keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus Christ. You need to simplify your life. You need to simplify your family. We need to simplify this church. It's not about the number of programs. It's about the programs where the Spirit of God can move without hindrance. That's what it's about. It's about walking in humility that individually you increasingly are a person who pursues God in genuine humility that your marital relationship is increasingly humble. That the church, the body of Christ, is increasingly humble. I don't know why it is in the body of Christ that we think we can speak to each other in condescending, disreputable, God-dishonoring, disrespectful words. 
that we can send emails and blast people. Is that what salt and light does? You know, if Jesus Christ descended right now, if Jesus Christ somehow we were able to see him walk down the center aisle and take his place on this very seat, I can guarantee you that we would be discussing nothing in terms of our differences because we would have someone who has instantaneously put us on the same page. When we worship Jesus, when we submit ourselves to the living and the true God, all differences dissolve. Haven't we had enough of the economic difficulties? If not, God knows how to bring more. Haven't we had enough of the racial division? If not, this is just an appetizer for what the main entree will be in chaos and difficulty. It's time that you move the bottle. It's time that I move the bottle. It's time that we start looking at Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 in the modern application. Turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Second Chronicles chapter 7 in verse 1. We're going to get to one of the most famous verses, two of the most famous verses in all of the Bible. And if you're a bottle mover, you're about to rediscover them. We as bottle movers are about to rediscover them in a way that we have never before put them into action. So stay tuned, pay attention, listen and watch, understand the lead up to these two verses. In Second Chronicles chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, Solomon had dedicated and is about to dedicate the temple of God and his palace. In verse 1, as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Think about this as somebody whose body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. As the New Testament teaches, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The glory of God now dwells Inside something that's not made with human hands, but fashioned in the image and likeness of God. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The glory of the Lord filled the temple. Verse 2. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord. Because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. See, a move of God always stops man in his tracks. And Solomon had done everything the way he was supposed to do it, even though he was a sinner. None of us is without sin. God uses us in spite of our sin. If you don't believe that, read the rest of Second Chronicles. You'll see the sinful things that Solomon did. But God used Solomon in spite of himself. God will use you in spite of yourself. He'll use me in spite of myself. If you wait until every part of your life is organized and structured correctly and taken care of, you'll never move a bottle. Bottle movers are imperfect people, but they move bottles nonetheless. The priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord 
filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. 1996, I was there in Jerusalem, just about a 100 yards away from the Dome of the Rock where the temple grounds stood originally, reading this passage of Scripture, imagining what it might have been like for Solomon to offer the sacrifices that we're about to read about those sacrifices, imagining what it might have looked like for the fire to come down and the glory of the Lord to consume that temple made with human hands. And I read this section in verse 4. Then the king and all the people sacrificed before the Lord. King Solomon offered a sacrifice of two oxen and one sheep. How anticlimactic that would have been. It's not what it says. King Solomon offered as a sacrifice 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. Look at that. The priests stood at their posts, the Levites also with the instruments for music to the Lord that King David had made for giving thanks to the Lord. Do you see the strategic role of music in worship? The sacrifices in worship. We're not just singing songs when we gather. We're worshiping to this God of hosts, the God of armies, this same God. We're worshiping through songs and instruments and our surrendered lives, our finances and everything that we have. For his steadfast love endures forever. Whenever David offered praises by their ministry opposite them, the priests sounded trumpets and all Israel stood and Solomon consecrated the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord. For there he offered the burnt offering and the fat of the peace offerings because the bronze altar Solomon had made could not hold the burnt offering and the grain offering and the fat. Until our worship costs us something, we don't understand what worship is about. We don't understand who we're worshiping and how worthy he is, not of some of what we have, but of everything we have. Verse 6, the priest The priests stood at their posts, the Levites also, with the instruments for the music to the Lord that King David had made for giving thanks to the Lord. Look at the role of song. Remember that as we're singing songs to the Lord, it's not just music, it's songs of worship. For his steadfast love endures forever. Whenever David offered praises by their ministry opposite them, the priests sounded trumpets and all Israel stood and Solomon consecrated the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord. For there he offered the burnt offering and the fat of the peace offerings because the bronze altar Solomon had made could not hold the burnt offering and the grain offering and the fat. At that time, Solomon held the feast for seven days and all Israel with him in a very great assembly. From Lebo Hamath to the brook of Egypt and on the eighth day, they held a solemn assembly. For they had kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. On the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent the people away to their homes, joyful and glad of heart for the prosperity that the Lord had granted to David and to Solomon and to, the, and to Israel, his people. Thus, Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. 
all that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord. And in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. High times for the nation of Israel. They're at a peak and a pinnacle of God moving in their midst. They've had their heyday, similar to our nation. Which you'd be hard-pressed to say that we're following harder after God today than we were a hundred years ago. Two hundred years ago. Yes, there are sins in our nation's history, of course. You have a nation of imperfect people. While our president is busy saying we now have a more perfect union because of the new definition of marriage, the truth is that we don't have a more perfect union. It's more imperfect than ever. More devastated and divided than ever. Did you understand here what's happened in Second Chronicles chapter 7? The role of the musicians, the idea of worship and being extravagant and exorbitant for God. You see, exorbitance and extravagance is not so exorbitant and extravagant when you understand who you're worshiping. See, what happens is we've settled for a form of godliness without the power of God. We want things to change. We see the bottles that need to be moved and we want somebody to step in and to move the bottle. When God says, how about you start with your own bottle, the condition of your own heart, the condition of your own mind, the condition of your own family, the condition of your own church, move that bottle and move it now. Brothers and sisters, we can't wait for some other event to happen in this nation. You can't wait for some type of an event to happen in your family. Can't wait for something to be proclaimed more clearly than it's being proclaimed now in the church. The time is now. The solution is sitting in your seat and to your left and to your right and in front of you and behind you. We are the bottle movers that God has raised up for such a time as this. God is demonstrating to us things are not right, that Rome is burning. And God has the solution to the burning. He knows how to put out those fires. And we know, too, it's right here in the Word of God, two of the most famous verses in all of the Bible that are overread and underapplied. Overread and underapplied. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. It's after all of this that we just read. After the dedication of the temple. After the glory of the Lord has descended. After everything's been dedicated. After that high point. Look at verse 13. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain. What? God working in the natural circumstances? That the natural is simply a reflection of God's supernatural movement? You better believe it. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command the locust to devour the land, economic difficulty, or send pestilence among my people, physical illness, notice that it's among God's people. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. 
This is the clearest if-then statement you'll find in the Bible. And all of us are looking around at what's happening in our nation and say, look how terrible, look how tragic, look at the economic issues, look at the financial calamities that we're experiencing. Many financial experts are saying we're not at the bottom of the barrel in terms of the downturn of the Dow, the devastation of the dollar, which is right now the reserve currency of the land. And if that changes, watch out, world. Truly, here it comes. The moral decline in our nation, I wish I could say that the moral decline was just among those who are not God's people, but it's also among God's people. The pornography levels in the church, just as high as in the world. What we need is a national day of repentance. That's what we need. No, we don't. In today's world where we've been dumbed down by smart devices, a day is not enough. Our attention spans have been cut so short, we can hear something drastic on Friday and on Monday be totally off in another realm. That's why what's happening with Planned Parent doesn't disgust us to the point of action. That's why what happened in St. Louis doesn't aggravate us. That's why what happened in Baltimore doesn't upset us. That's why what happened on Wall Street doesn't get our attention. Because we're distracted by dumb things. By the latest movie. We're distracted by our own passions. We don't need a national day of repentance. We need a national week of repentance. And on this platform, from this stage, out of this mouth, I'm announcing it starting October 11th. We're going to have a national week of repentance that you are invited to, to participate in. It's going to begin on Sunday, October 11th, and it's going to end on Sunday, October 18th, with a solemn, sacred assembly right here in the middle of nowhere. And you, as the bottle mover you are, you're going to go out into your workplace and you're going to tell people, we're going to have a national week of repentance, not just our church, our nation. We just happen to be the ones who are instigating this through the modern equivalent of Balaam's jackass right here, your pastor. And that's a shout out to those who down south use the King James Bible, where jackass is used to refer to a donkey. You're going to go out into your neighborhood and you're going to tell people our nation needs to repent beginning with me. You see, in Second Chronicles 7, 13, and 14, it's not the world that God is beckoning to himself. It's the church. It's the bottle movers. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Forgive their sin. And heal their land. Now, none of us is in a position to be looking at the world and saying, would somebody please move the bottle? I wish somebody would do something different. No. It's up to you and it's up to me. You're the bottle mover. Your family is a collection of bottle movers. Our family, the body of Christ, is a collection of bottle movers. If it's going to be, it's up to you and it's up to me. We need to repent for a thorough week. We need to take a 
prolonged look at our lives. We need to take a prolonged look at our families. We need to pray, take a prolonged look at the church and what we've made the church compared to what Jesus envisioned for the church. There's a huge dichotomy between what we're experiencing in church and what Jesus envisioned and what he poured every drop of his blood out for to birth a church that's supposed to be a representation of his glory on the earth. If you are satisfied with what this church is, you have set your sights too low. If we are satisfied with what church has become, God help us. He wants to. Your family has problems and mine does too. It's a matter of the degree of the problems, but the solution to every one of those problems is in a person not getting more money, not buying more things. It's in living a simplified life characterized by the movement of the Spirit of God where you're walking in humility and you're prioritizing loving God and loving people. Then we really have something to give away. Other people can look at us and say, I see the light in the darkness. I taste something flavorful, something savory in the midst of a bland, distasteful world. And it's courtesy of you, the bottle mover. It's courtesy of your family, the bottle movers. It's courtesy of the body of Christ we need we can't wait another year it's not an event that we're being called to it's repentance and returning back to the Lord that I'm putting out the call for we need a national week of repentance beginning October 11th all these details have to come to order all these logistics have to come into place I debated about that being the organized person that I try to be All I need is another thing on my plate. No, what I need is to be led by the Spirit of God, and so do you. What we need is to be led by the Spirit of God. This church needs to be led by the Spirit of God. Our families need to be led by the Spirit of God. I'm not up here standing barefoot to try to be trendy, hip, and happening. What I'm saying is true from the mouth of Almighty God. I don't know if your repentance and mine is going to change this nation, but I do know that repentance is always in fashion. Especially when we're experiencing the kind of difficulties that the Bible says are of biblical proportions. Especially when we're experiencing the kinds of attention-getting events that are presented in the Bible. When a nation has economic problems, they're not just economic problems necessarily. When a nation has military problems, they're not just military problems. When a nation has moral problems, they're not just moral problems. When a nation has spiritual problems and when a nation is divided, they're not just natural problems and the natural. These are spiritual problems. These are symptoms of a deeper issue. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain. And I command the locusts to devour the land or send a pestilence. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Forgive their sin and heal their land. I don't know 
If our repentance is sufficient enough to stay the hand of God, prophetically speaking, eschatologically speaking, I don't know exactly where we are on the prophetic time clock, whether we're at the 10th hour, the 11th hour, or one hand on the minute hand before midnight. I don't know, and neither do you. And stop using the rapture as the escape clause for being a bottle mover here and now. We all need to repent of waiting for Jesus to come and get us. Can I say this? The heck out of here. Someday he will get us out of here when he's ready. You don't know when that time is. I don't know when that time is. In the meantime, God's called you to be a bottle mover. God's called me to be a bottle mover. Let's start moving some bottles. Not out there, but right in here with our hearts. And with our minds, let's be that people who humble themselves, who seek God, who pray and turn from our wicked ways. Talk is cheap. We all know there's an elephant in the room. There are multiple elephants in the room. We all see it. But do we see clearly from the word of God what the biblical solution is when God is speaking and he is? God's people must listen. Are we listening? There is nothing usual about what's happening. It is unusual for this nation. God is speaking to this nation. God is speaking to this church. He's speaking to you. Individually, he's even speaking to me. He's speaking to your family and to my family. It is time. We've got to have a week of genuine, real repentance. A national week of repentance where we get serious about our own sin. Serious about the family that God created. Serious about the body of Christ, the family of God that God created. Our hope is in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Our problems are God problems. And our solution is a God solution. You're the bottle mover. I'm the bottle mover. We are bottle movers. We all see the problems, hopefully now more clearly than ever. Hopefully now more clearly than ever we see the solution. And the solution is to begin with a thorough examining of ourselves and an invitation from God. See, we want the movement of God without the precursors of God. We want God to hear our prayer, forgive our sin, and heal our land. But we're not willing to do the first part. And this is a sincere and devout pleading with all that is in me, which is not enough. And you know it's true. To return to God and in some instances to turn to him in a way we've never walked with him in the first place. To turn to God like never before. To let God have all of the consequences because repentance is always in fashion. You've been listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. We'd love to hear how this message impacted you. 
To share your story, visit CourageMatters.com and click on the Your Story tab. If you enjoyed this message, you'll love Michael Anthony's Courage Matters podcast, where he focuses on leadership, relationships, and world events. To learn more, visit CourageMatters.com. In the meantime, keep looking up. There's no place else worth looking.